0: Buddy, welcome to Sonic Talk episode uh, 599. So next week is 600. Uh, that's got to be some sort of milestone of some kind. I'm not sure what it is. Uh, recording today, Wednesday, the 27th November. Uh, the Christmas markets have opened in my city. So that means uh, nobody's going to be able to drive anywhere. And as we move into the Christmas season and Black Friday, I mean, deals everywhere. But maybe we can talk a little bit of that, about that later. Uh, welcome to the Sonic Talk podcast. This is a music technology show. We talk about We talk about software, we talk about all kinds of stuff to do with music production and live production, all of those kind of things. And I want to say thank you very much to Isotope, who will be providing the prize for this week's show, which is a copy, a full copy of (laughs) Isotope Ozone 9 Advanced. There you go. You stick around about halfway through the show, runs about an hour. You'll find details on how to get that. So let's welcome our guests. Uh, We're going to start. Well, uh, we've got two people. One's a new guest and one is not. And we've also got Yoad, who is a more of a regular, at least in recent weeks. So we'll start over here with uh, uh, Miss Tori Letzler, who's very kindly got up at the crack of dawn uh, in uh, in LA, where um, she is a composer, singer, producer, synth collector. We met Tori in uh, Japan, where I don't know if you saw the video where you were doing some singing performance, because you do a lot of like sessions for the... The uh, composer guys and gals in uh, L.A. Right?
1: Yep, I do. I'm also a composer myself. So,
0: yeah, excellent. So, uh, uh, after you finish the show, what what are you being? What are you going to be getting on with? Because uh, you've probably got projects on the go, right?
1: Uh, I start a movie next week, <laughs> and then uh, right now I'm working on my side project, which is taking up a lot of time. It's a fully electronic project, so utilizing my Eurorack a lot. Um, and then I've been doing some synth design for the score of Batwoman, which is currently airing on the CW.
0: Wow. So busy, busy, busy. You do much singing?
1: <laughs> uh, Yeah. A lot of singing.
0: <laughs> ah, excellent. So uh, is that, is that prime? Cause you kind of, we spoke to you in uh, LA, LA uh, sorry, in Japan. I don't know if anybody saw, but we interviewed Tori, and we talked a little bit about her kind of work. I thoroughly recommend that. But uh, um She's kind of cornered the market in that sort of uh, ethereal, fairy, sort of uh, ethnic, uh, otherworldly (laughs) singing. I'm sure you could do other types of singing too. But So you get your... I'm sure you can. And and so you're doing a whole bunch of of sessions based on that. Is that that kind of the...
1: I mean, yeah, I kind of do a little bit of everything. Um, For film, it does tend to be like that, you know, floaty, nondescript, ethnic, vocal... Um, Like most recently, uh, if you saw Ad Astra, you heard me in the end uh, credits for that movie. Um, and that was, like, more ethereal, boy choiry, But, yeah, typically a lot of times I get asked to wail over top of superheroes flying through the sky. That seems to be
0: <laughs> awesome. <laughs>
1: the, the thing.
0: <laughs> Sounds like a T-shirt right there, I have to say. yeah. Uh, well, Tori, thanks for joining <laughs> us. Uh, we'll also come and say hello to uh, Mr. Charles Chicky Reeves. We haven't seen him for ages. Charles has uh, also been out on the road for much of the year with uh, OMD and Howard Jones, or just... Uh,
2: well, this year, uh, the first part of this year was OMD, but most of this year has been Howard Jones. Right. So I've been gone since May, wow. basically. <laughs> well, I did uh, a couple months in the States, uh, then Japan, South America, Europe, and we're doing a couple of shows this week here in... Oh, where are we doing the shows? Oh yeah, here. One here in the UK and then one in Ireland and then nothing until April. So I'm just gonna be writing music until then.
0: So you're back in your home studio uh there in London.
2: Getting yes, getting yeah. to
0: know your synths. Did you did you yes. make any unwise purchases while you were on the road and waiting for the shipping to come back? Mm,
2: no, I well, I bought an OPZ. Which I've been wanting. I
0: would, I might call that an unwise purchase, but you know.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's a it's a very weird device, uh, and but but I love the OP one so much. I thought, ah, I'll try this. It does sound pretty amazing. Uh, let's see, what else did I buy? Um, Carry uh, on
0: size, I'm guessing.
2: <laughs> no, I, well, I didn't buy that much while I was actually on the road, but I did. I did order a lot of stuff. Uh, I'm looking. I can't remember what else. I right, ordered another screen. I got you know just stuff i get stuff, stuff. to get back to get back to work <laughs> well charles Charles Lovick. to have write up him. on a uh, tax thing. So, uh, ah,
0: right. Well, lovely to have you. And uh, finally, we've got uh, Mr. Yoad Nevo who's there in his London studio with an, yet another vista of his expansive desk. Actually, Yoad, we've well, we've just we had problems with the footage on the, the second part of the video we shot, but we've managed to render it out today. So, that'll be coming along real shortly where we go into oh, cool. uh, your your kind of massive MIDI setup. Yeah, I love that
3: I love the comments on the on the first one. That some of them are quite funny. Um, especially the one that says I'm really boring. So thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I can Um, confirm you're
0: not. Uh, And uh, you know what people are like. But, yeah, and, of course, uh, mix engineer, uh, producer, songwriter, and... uh, Owner of a smashing facility there in uh, in London, and also uh, development of Waves. Lovely to have you aboard too. And have you made any uh, Black Friday purchases yet, or is it Um,
3: different? Not, not as such. But I'm quite. I'm trying to get into the Melda Production M Drummer, which is. I don't know if you know it. It's like, (laughs) it's a beast. It's a crazy. It's like the most sophisticated drum machine ever and it's really really crazy and it, it it's um i have a few comments about the you know the user interface and stuff but the capabilities on that thing are just crazy oh, okay. um so, so yeah um, it's a i'm trying thing, to get, get look- into that it's a software thing but uh it's unbelievable it's really really and and it comes with really good sounds as well. But what I really like about it is that it can turn your library into kits um, kind of based on similarity of the content. So you just throw stuff on it. I just uh, threw like a big folder of, uh, of drum samples on it and it created something like 10,000 kits uh, with like you know, the titles are just numbers, like following numbers, but um, but it's just amazing because all those, you know, all those samples that you have lying about and, and it's always a nightmare to map them and to decide what to do with them, you just throw them on this thing and you have it mapped on the, over the keyboard uh, by kind of similarity. So right, you so... you just generate tons and tons of very very useful kits, and that's and, and just MIDI. So you don't even have to use its own sequencer uh, sequencer. It just works. Uh, but then the sequencer there is quite mind blowing, and it has it's a very very sophisticated thing and uh, very impressive. A bit of a learning curve to 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 you know to in order to utilize it uh, to in everyday work but it's it's quite mind-blowing yeah so well, i'm quite into like that plenty to
0: be going on with okay yeah. well let's get on to our first topic um this was i i was hoping to have the whole video because we've shot a video with this it's just we've just got it ready this is the new expressive e osmos so i'll play a little bit of this clip here which is the kind of artist discovery video i i moved on a little bit because the first two were a bit chunky. i thought So the Osmos is a brand-new 49-note augmented expressive keybed, keyboard, with built-in Harken Audio Egon Matrix engine in DSP. So it's uh, up to 24 voices with effects and all that expression. Each note has sort of two stages of aftertouch and velocity, plus a left-right wobble on each key is only described as so you get when you, you can map that to whatever you want here's
3: some
0: I think this is Bill Lawrence I mean I have to say it sounds pretty amazing it is incredibly sensitive I'll uh, what I'll do is I'll play because I've got another video which is just me fiddling so about a little bit at the end. Incredibly sensitive, I'm just slightly touching the keys. So, this is the prototype, it's going to look a bit different to this. But it, what I found really fascinating about this is you really get the sense that every one of your fingers is an LFO or an envelope multi-stage, And it just, it's sort of, once you sort of think of that, it's like, you've got these, these trajectories of expression per note. It's amazing. I know, Tori, you uh, will come to you because I I shared the the, the, uh, rough cut of the video and you were kind of like straight back at me. Like I got a, wow, i got to find out more about this. Yeah. Out of
1: all the stuff uh, we kind of talked about this week that seeing that I hadn't seen it yet. Um, it, it looks like to me, as someone who's a piano player, and I use the piano a lot for work, um, having met me through Yamaha, obviously. It looks like that initial idea that Rolly kind of tried to do, but like taking it and just like hitting it out of the park. Uh, the reason I was never really drawn to Rolly was the fact that it has those like black, mushy keys. And for me as a player, Um, even though it's obviously responsive with MPE. It just didn't seem like something that I wanted to really mess with or could really vibe with. I've borrowed them before. This, to me, feels like taking that idea and adding in all the other things with the sound bank and the real key bed. It just seems like a really, really functional tool. So I would love to get my hands on one.
3: (laughs) Uh,
0: Yeah, Uh, well, I, I don't blame you, to be honest. I mean, I think one thing that did come out was, I mean... The, the video is literally you can just, you know, the microscopic amount. The only adjustment that you need to make, as far as I was aware of anyway, when I was playing it, is you just have to be a bit more considered. I mean, you get all of the, you know, you can play it like a regular keyboard. It will spit out standard MIDI. It spits out MPE, which is fine, but it spits out MPE+, plus, which they're calling, which is is it, the reason that they talked Hearken into allowing them to license their engine and putting it in DSP form was because... Um, they felt that they'd done enough with the with the expressivity to make it worthy of the engine because with the Harker stuff is very expressive. So they re- you know they've they they've really kind of nailed that. And um, one other thing, as a composers, um, it's they're they're working on getting it to map to the sort of controllers that you would use with orchestral libraries as well. So you can actually start to to switch the voicings and yeah,
1: can you can you use it as an overall controller and
0: yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah, you can. I want one. Okay, um, Charles. Charles, I know. Uh, I don't know how. I mean, I don't know whether you. I can't remember. It's been so long since we spoke. Whether you where you went down. There. The roly thing is great. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it, but it's different. Yeah. You really have to adapt your playing technique um, yeah. to use it in in effectively, as Rich Hilton will testify. I think.
2: Yes, but this still so, uh, – just like I like, I really need another keyboard to buy. This look like something I would immediately buy, especially if they do end up mapping this to uh, orchestral libraries, because I use that so much for my film work. Um, God, that does look good, though. I, are they going to cover that top part? The I, because- I don't
0: believe so. I don't. I don't think there's any plans to do that. I mean, I think that it, it, it's. We should point out this the the thing that's making it kind of brand new, brand new is that they've got to basically build and manufacture and industrialize a brand new keyboard mechanism and all of that stuff. As far as I understand, underneath it, you know, in the um, in the Expressive E, the, the touche, which is the pad thing, there's these sort of mm-hmm. bits of rubber, squishy mm-hmm. things. And I think there's something like that going on the, underneath each key. So they're, they're building on the same kind of technology, but they've got all this other stuff. So I can imagine the tolerances and whatnot. So, so yeah, I, the answer to your question is no, I don't think they are going to cover that up.
2: Yeah, the, the reason I was asking is uh, <clears throat> certainly from a life perspective, but uh, even even in the studio, I mean, it, you, you do want to try to keep the keyboard as hermetically sealed as you can because otherwise it'll just wear out really fast because it'll crap will get into it. <laughs> and I just thought, oh, wow, that seems really exposed. Um, I don't think there's so- all that
0: much moving stuff. I don't think there's, in, there's no springs and stuff like that. It's all, uh, near, you know, Squishy stuff, as far as I know. Yeah. I don't know. Well,
2: either, but... I mean, either way though, just the the few demos I've seen, I've seen you know Cuckoo's demo, and uh, I can't remember who else. I just, I flipped through a few of those, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm quite excited to uh, buy one of these.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, what about you, Yara? Did you did you pre-order? It's available for pre-order now. I should point out. Oh, is it's, it? Yeah. Oh. three... Three hundred euros, but uh, and uh, you get like a, a thirty forty percent discount on the final price, which is not. It's not going to be till se- summer though, so you know it's going to be. A- oh
3: well, now now you've now you've said it. I, I'll have to to pre order it, unfortunately, <laughs> because uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean. You know, I've said it many times, but my problem is space, like where to put something like that. At the moment, I'm using the, the rev 2 as my main controller because it integrates really well with Omnisphere, and it's very convenient, and I love the springiness of, of the keyboard. But, um, uh, but something like that is definitely interesting, uh, especially for me because I'm more, uh, you know, I'm a guitarist, and uh, so I can't be too expressive on the keyboard with i don't know pitch wheel and things like that so um and pedals i tried i tried using the pedal thing but the fact that it's it it, it affects the whole midi channel so the whole basically sound and not individual notes uh, and and this thing is basically a 49 or however many keys uh touche thing isn't it kind of effectively
0: uh, yeah kind of kind of
3: which i w- i was kind of tempted to to buy the touche but it looked a little bit kind of i don't know cumbersome uh for for something that i can put here um you know um but as a keyboard yeah it's it sounds it, it looks very interesting and uh uh you know there's always i always try like i have a few midi guitar controllers uh like pickups and things and a dedicated usb thing which is um which is you know was taken from a guitar hero it's like a guitar Hero controller that can that can spit out midi and things and i have the roland tg55 which is really nice and i have a, a, a uh, a Yamaha thing. I have loads of them, and I always try to to, to be, uh, you know, expressive with MIDI. Yeah. But and, the, the and for that, me that
0: yeah. I, I, the 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 thing I would say about this is there's the, the when we were going through it, there's like you know, the simple sound that all it does is more, more from uh, triangle through to sawtooth per note, and a bit of you know, a bit of vibrato. But the amount of what, what happens with the sound, the sound engine is so incredibly powerful and complex that you can take a fairly basic sound and if you're mapping the, 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 the controllers intelligent, if the patches have been made intelligent, you've got five or six, almost five or six different sounds in there morphing between them per note. So the expressivity of that is is a, is quite yeah. astonishing.
3: Yeah. So, what about this—the the actual synth engine? Because I'm not familiar with with, with that Egan, it's uh, the particular matrix. one. Egan Matrix.
0: Yeah, it's an Egan Matrix. It is.
3: So, it's—is it physical modeling?
0: It's—it's it's many different things. It's got multiple different kinds of synthesis engine in it, and it sounds very good. And the res—the resolution is also very good. And they do that. They were talking about this thing where they've basically, they've the scanning rate of the keybed is the resolution is is higher in the attack portion because the transients then are so much more expressive and more accurate so you get this kind of sharper more definitive sound i couldn't really understand what they were doing but there were all sorts of stuff that they were kind of saying that could be done with the data that they but the sound engine is is dense
3: and is it like the full-blown kind of uh Incarnation, that, or that of that, or is yes. it uh, an LE version? And no, can the... I, where can I find? And and where is the other? F- like, is it is it in a plugin form? The the kind of ah the
0: editor. No, well the um, the Egan Matrix, as far as it is the edit is an editor that talks directly to the. Uh, I think that this may not be the case. Whether it runs on you know as as a sound engine on your computer, and then you just send the patches to the DSP. I'm not sure about that. Actually, that's not a question. Because I can editing,
3: fully answer. yeah, because editing is something which is quite important. Because I don't, I hate like menu diving, and I prefer to do everything on screen, uh, as much as possible on the screen as much as possible. So, uh, so that'll be something that. But I'll, yeah, I'll find out more details about it. I'm sure they're, they're available on the website.
0: I mean, the one thing I will say is when they showed it, I just looked at it and I kind of glazed over. The, I mean, Tori, the, 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 I don't know if you know. Have you seen the Egan Matrix? You know, because of that, there was in the Harkin Continuum Mini and whatnot. You could you know, this it, built into that as well. But it is super dense. I mean, it's like it, it's like a four times the size of a uh, um, a VCS three pin board with loads of drop down menus at either end of the the rows. <laughs> kind of thing imagine that mm. so i don't think that's a strong point but you can get very very deep and very dense with it but the sounds that are programmed in it and uh, just sound incredible uh, uh, and you know aside from the fact so that with the engine i mean 1800 euros does sound expensive but i think what you're getting what you're getting there it seems like actually a fair price to me i would say i don't I know mean, whether that's a, i don't know what it's going to be
1: because it's it's a lot less capability than that and i think it's Pretty expensive.
0: The Rolly, um the forty nine that's a good question. I don't know. I i don't know what how big that is. I'm not sure that they haven't discontinued the large format one. The, the, the I, think, I think they
2: did. They've been discontinued. I doing think the they did discontinue it.
0: Yeah, I think the block is about three hundred, isn't it? So it you know. So it's a different, but it doesn't have a sound engine in. I mean that's the thing because people, I yeah, think, if they look at this as a controller, they'd be going, "That's expensive for controllers, But actually, it's got a sound engine in, and it's got uh, expression pedal inputs as well, which we use with a, 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 a. It was yeah, I was really impressed with it. I have to say, um, and our video will be coming soon. Uh, you get it. Let's see. I think there's. I think we got it here. Haven't we at discover Osmos. There's a, the website here with uh, all the stuff. And you can pre-order it and whatnot. I think it's 300 euros to pre-order, and they're doing very well with that. By all account, there's various different uh, artist videos.
2: Good old and They're gonna update Rudy. the left-hand side of it too, right? Uh, yes. I heard that they were gonna add a lot more onto the left.
0: Uh, yes, I'm just seeing Yeah. Well, if you see the picture here, has it started playing? Oh, it has, isn't it? Yep. All right, there we go. You can see here that's a larger AMOLED screen. They moved. You know, they've got a couple of faded. So, yeah, the left-hand side is, it, in our version, it was more all about the keyboard. This this part is, it, as you can see, it's a bigger, brighter display. It's got more control and macro control and whatnot. So you get a bit more stuff. I'm going to have to shut that down, aren't I? Because I can't.
1: And is there that. like a... Like a- app that comes with it like a desktop editor or anything yeah for the eager
0: matrix yeah there is you'd have to there's no but but you can access macros or at least this is what i'm told macros can be accessed via the knobs and the matrix you can set the global sensitivity for various access so it's not a per patch thing because that would be a nightmare then you would have to reprogram all the patches so if you look at at there oops uh, that that's what i'm trying to show that's done via the the display but you know anyway that's as much as I know, but uh, I think it's going to do well. And from what I can gather, people, yeah, you know, well, I mean, Tori, you know, you saw it and immediately went, I need that. Where can I get well, it?
1: The, the express, like like we were saying, like the expressive access possible use with the VSTs is really, really appealing. So I'm hoping that it does function in that way.
0: Yeah, mm. absolutely. Yeah. Okay, right. Um, probably we should probably just have a little uh, word from our friends over at Isotope because uh, uh, there was a lot to chat about there, and we got more to get through.
2: Building on a 17-year legacy in audio mastering, Ozone Nine brings balance to your mix with never-before-seen processing for low end, real-time instrument separation, and lightning-fast workflows powered by machine learning. Expect lower CPU usage and shorter startup times with Ozone Nine compared to Ozone Eight. Experience fluid metering in a fully resizable environment that lets you track the most subtle details of your audio. Use more plugins at once, mix while you master without worrying about slowdowns or dropouts, and immerse yourself in a smooth, modern experience designed to keep you in your creative flow. As you can see, Ozone 9 is the fastest way to get your master off the ground. Thank you so much for watching. Be sure to check out our other videos and head to isotope.com to learn more about mixing and mastering and to download your free trial of Ozone 9.
0: Indeed you can. And of course we have competition uh, result for, uh, from last week. But before we get on that, what we're going to do is we're going to talk... Oops. We'll just run the, the uh, um, this week's competition. We're looking for the hashtag FinalMaster. And the hashtag Ozone 9. This is a Twitter competition. Uh, so if you tweet the hashtag Final Master, one word, and the hashtag Ozone 9, one word and one number, to at Sonic State and at Isotope Inc., you will be entered into the competition for a copy of Ozone 9 Advanced. And uh, that's a, a cracking prize. And we've also got uh, a winner from last week who just tweeted, Pick me! <laughs> well, I did, uh, though it wasn't because you tweeted that, it was down to the random number generator. So, and, oh gosh. I'm never going to be able to pronounce that. So they are known as negative feedback, but the at is n at ngtvfdb is basically negative feedback without any vowels in it. So uh, you'll know who you are. So do get in touch, please, and uh, you will be sent your copy of Isotope Isotope Nine Advanced. Um, I think uh, maybe we need to do this. I think we need to go to uh, this one probably next, and we'll, we'll just I'm just moving it around. Anyway, that's it. Thanks for watching. Obviously, I just published this review. This was hot off the press. This is the uh, poly-D that came out, the Behringer thing. It's a pretty-looking thing, and I have to say it sounds nice. Um, Lots of conjecture. Is it poly? Is it para? Well, it's kind of both, isn't it? Polyphonic is multiple notes, but paraphonic is single voice, so we've only got a single voice. And as you can see, it's... uh, it's but it's a beautiful thing because it's something else, really. I think that's the my, my, my point I won't take Anyway, I won't tell you more, but yes, it's out. It was announced. When did it come out? Uh, was it Monday? Last week? Yeah. yeah. We can't, no, Friday, wasn't it? It was Friday. Oh, Sat. No. Monday. It was Monday. <laughs> wasn't last week it was leaked last week because it was supposed to go out live on saturday and then it because i i decided to participate in one of these let's all review it and release at once things because i was so interested in it as a polyphonic thing they did offer the td3 had no real interest in reviewing that because it's a 303 and i don't know i'm not a 303 person but uh sounded nice um and obviously it's a decent monosynth and i think it's going to be about 699 us dollars um let me start with you, Yoad. I don't know. I mean, I know you haven't got any room for anything and you've got an original obviously, but your original doesn't do what this does. But uh what do you think about the whole concept? I mean, it feels a little bit I'm a bit uncomfortable with the it looking what, exactly being, like a D basically.
3: Uh, by by the way, is it the same dimensions as the as the original D? No, It it's looks sma- a bit smaller, is not it? Smaller, yeah, it is smaller. But it looks pretty it looks pretty neat. Uh and actually looking at the Arturia Matrix Brute, it, it could fit well. Next to it, uh, <laughs> quite nicely because it has the same, you know, you know, the same uh, with the angle and everything. You know, I just had the thought, uh, maybe a, a business kind of idea for Beringer. Not that they need any of my um, advice, but you know, since that all these products actually cost like plugins, or you know, all the remodeling and all that. Not specifically this one, but the the MS twenty and the, the the original model D and all the other ones. Why don't they make a, like a subscription model uh, for their products? <laughs> subscribe because to I any would, of our pro- Yeah, <laughs> I, I would subscribe, subscribe to that um, because because all their products seem so cool and so uh, and this one and this one as well. I mean, and you know that we were talking about the the Moog One, and and this is something kind of in between uh because it has that sound of the of the mini moog um but you can play chords with it i really like the addition of the chords uh because i love the the cor- the the roland uh, the, no, juno the juno 106 right. chords um i actually had a problem with mine and and we changed the the capacitors and that because you know it has that whoosh, yeah, that that noise, which is really annoying, and uh, I actually I don't know if I mentioned it before, but you know the TAL um, yeah. chorus, which is free, and I've actually I actually did an A B test, and it's the same. So ever since I discovered that, I just plugged all my when I moved to this studio, I just plugged all the polyphonic synths <clears throat> mono, just just one, and I'm not using not on the JX. Not on the MKS 50 and on all of the Roland stuff, I just stopped using the course and I just used the TLA because it sounds the same. I did an AB test and you couldn't tell the difference except for, for the noise, which kind of gave it away. So, uh, well, um, i
0: I, I, I that, that, sounds, that that sounds like a top tip actually. I, I also must confirm that the uh. There is noise presence in the, in the Poly D as well. It's got the same switch. Oh, is there? Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah so but, it's truly
3: authentic. But still, I mean, yeah. that chord sounds so lush and so amazing, and the addition of of the distortion is great. Um, I have to say that I really like the concept of 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 paraphonic uh, synth, and the only one I have which does that is the Korg. Poly 800, which, you know, I love and Mm -hmm. no one else does in the, in the world, except for me, unfortunately, but uh, I really love that (laughs) scene. And a part of that is, is it being paraphonic because there's something about like holding a pad and, and that also relates to the touche thing a little bit, because the, like, if you hold a chord, because it runs through the same filter. So the envelope, there's one envelope, which is triggered by the last note you play. So there's one VCI envelope and one VCF envelope.
0: Yeah, this doesn't retrigger. The, the no-
3: it doesn't retrigger.
0: Not that I. Well, it may I'm be sure I, it, I, I, I'm, not I'm, in the not in the way that I had it set up. But there, there's an editor which allows the, you to change. I'm sure no there priorities. is. I'm
3: sure there is, and it's a shame if there isn't. And I'm sure that they will fix it if it's not present yeah, yet. Yeah, that would make sense. The, you the cool can thing then, about it is that you hold the cord and then. With another finger, you just you 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 know you, you trigger the envelope, yeah, yeah yeah and and that is so cool.
0: Yeah, that uh, I, that would be a that that's would be a, good a really idea. cool feature. That would be a I'm, good idea. I,
3: yeah, so I love that. Yeah, it looks like a really good product.
0: It is. It is kind of nice. I oh, know, Tori. I mean, we were talking yesterday when we were just testing the whole connection thing, and um, you said you didn't yeah. have you haven't got any Behringer stuff at all. I mean, there's there's no there's you don't have like any Deep Mind or sense. right no.
1: I, I, my controller, or not my controller, um, for CC data, I have the X Compact. Um, we actually have a couple of those. We use one for travel and then one for one of our clone rigs. But in terms of synths, I haven't gotten anything. Um, and yeah, like I mentioned, I'd wanted to try the Deep Mind when it had initially came out, but uh, Behringer didn't do that for me. Um, I did, you know, I've done stuff with them a long time ago in the past, but in terms of their synths, it, it rubs me the wrong way a little yeah. bit. The whole idea, I'm not saying it's not a good product. Um, I'm a a fan of Moog. I own quite a few Moogs since. I just, I guess if I want to look at it from two ways, they've put a lot of effort into this with the wood siding and it sounds a lot fatter than a lot of their clones have in the past, a lot more weight to it. I think if somebody really wants to get a Model D and they can't afford you know, that price point, it's obviously opening more doors in that respect. And I don't want to shut people away from that because obviously, um, you know, it's expensive. But I just don't like this idea of not only cloning, like, the innards of what's happening, but the entire aesthetic of a synth is really where it kind of crosses a line for me. Um, It's so clear what's happening, and I just... (sighs) It
0: just—it doesn't make me feel good about it. I, I, I can—I can totally understand what you mean. I can see that, totally see that point of view. I don't know whether that's something that uh, you feel about. I mean, I know a lot of people on the show. You know, I know Ty's massive has massively strong opinions on what Barons are doing, and I—I I must admit, I did feel a little bit uncomfortable. Well, I was looking at it and go, yeah, it's really nice, but it's really nice because someone else came up with the idea, you know. And that so exactly. there's a, you know, you can't not address that, you know. Oops. There we go. Ah, hello.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I I completely agree with Tori. Um I it I don't really have I, I was just looking around. I don't have anything by by Behringer. I've had a few things in the past. Uh like I, you know, I had their mixer one of their little uh Rack Mount mixer things. Um but yeah this this really does it does not feel right for me. And also, I the I, one of the things I do like about it is I do like the that chorus on it. I love my Juno one hundred and six and the chorus on that, and I I I like the fact that they stuck that on there. And I I also tend to like courses before any delays, so I'm glad they didn't put a delay on there.
0: I was I the like opposite.
2: <laughs> See, I I like a really uh, yeah. wobbly delay, but I, I like it to wobble before it goes to the delay because it becomes harmonically richer. Yeah. Um, but the um. So I'm glad they they chose course on there I didn't like the fact that you can't drive uh drive the console very easily or that you have to do the headphone to the uh external input thing um which on the original mode you you know it's i mean yes you could do that but it, but it's it's like you could really drive the filters um and this one you can't it, it it sounds nice and nice and clean and fat and i like really dirty sounding sense that's why i have the matrix Brute and the op1 and i like things that have kind of a an aggression about them you know, yeah i know what you I'm mean doing, and i was a bit disappointed that, that, or anything.
0: and i did i did ask them oh it doesn't seem to when you go past 12 o'clock it doesn't seem to have that extra burn into the filter i mean you can do the headphone thing and somebody was saying mm-hmm. that might be pre-wired, but I didn't get a chance to test that. But yeah, it's missing that thing. I, I, just another point for the for, in terms of balance. I think uh, Lady Aptitude in the chat room said, uh, uh, "Where is it? I think it's gone past actually now." But she she basically said that you know people have been copying Les Pauls and Strats for years. You know, is there a difference there? That I mean, that's a reasonable counter to the argument. I suppose the thing is, is it's a different. Well, it is a different thing, isn't it? I mean, people make copies and they're generally cheaper. Sometimes they're more expensive. I don't know how you'd answer that. That's because it's it's passing off the aesthetic, but it's it's become a norm. So we accept it as, okay, maybe Fender are still really upset about it. Maybe Gibson are really upset about it, but for them to do something about it now, because it's been going on for so long, there's no precedent. You know, whereas it feels like if people were to do this, they need to start doing something about it right away to just to stop it from happening. And And it seems like there isn't a... There isn't a will to to go to all that trouble, but yeah, I ta- I take your point. I'm I'm kind of I'm not sure which way I feel about it. Tori, you look like you you wanted to add to yeah. that.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say I think if somebody wants to buy a Moog and is used to buying Moog products, they're probably still gonna buy the original. I really do mm. think this is a product for somebody that you know. It, they might have wanted to buy one for a long time and couldn't because there's a price difference or because of the added features that are juno S that it's more appealing to them. I was talking to somebody yesterday that that was a reason that they wanted to buy it. Um, but also there's like a standard of quality that you get with Mo, And I'm not saying Behringer doesn't have, but I have a Sonic 6 that is from the 70s and it still has all of its original parts. And with the exception of its internal speakers, it functions perfectly. I don't know that I could say that about a Behringer synth, you know, 30 whatever year i mean it's just there is a level of quality that happens with their build that i think you're going to be missing as well which is where their price comes from
0: yeah i'm, I'm i think there are lots of reasons why it would be uh, um cheaper when you make when you're making it in your own yeah. factory in a country where it's cheaper to make stuff you know i mean yeah all of that stuff and that's what they're exploiting their ability to do that which is smart and not necessarily my <laughs> makes you feel the best
1: my question is how are they someone had mentioned that the patent expired and that's how they got, I'm curious how they're able to do this. I'm a little confused on where they can get away with it.
0: I am not the guy to ask. I don't know about that, <laughs> but, but maybe maybe I, so. I
2: would I wouldn't know how to how to answer that either, but I can from what I've observed of that company, they're one of those kind of companies that go by the philosophy of it's, you know, better to ask forgiveness than permission. Yeah. You know, they, they, I mean, they, they, that company started by knocking off Mackie stuff, you know, (laughs) know? uh, and and a few other things. And and, I mean, that is, that is sort of their business model. They, their, there's, their innovation is more along the lines of economy of scale, uh, well, no.
0: yes, but I mean, I think it's fair to say that there are quite a number of products that are it true, are innovations of theirs and are unique yes, products as yes, well. Yes. So, I mean, that's, that, yes, uh, that's true. Um, that true. Uh, there was some something that just went by in the chat room, which I was going to try. I, yeah, IP doesn't last forever, and that's that's the that, that's the that's the legal basic basis of it. I suppose ultimately, IP doesn't last forever, and then when but, it's gone. Uh,
3: it's- I- I have to say that there's another way of looking at it, which is that uh, yeah, owning a moog, a moog is is a very kind of novelty thing, and it's and it's great and, and everything. But there's something a little bit more democratic about the Behringer approach, which mm-hmm. is you know allowing allowing more people to to get exposed to to those classic synths and that, that sound, and it's actually. In a sense, kind of honouring the, the the tradition uh, that all those great synths have, you know, um, yeah, established. I, I think that's true. So, I,
0: I think they could go a long way by maybe, I don't know, making significant donations to the Bob Mo Foundation, for instance. Or, you know, something that kind of just sort of was a bit more friendly seeming, I suppose. That might do them, you know. Yes, PRY. Anyway, I don't want to dwell too much on the side of things because, but it's an, inter- I mean, it is a nice thing and it sounds nice and it is what it is. Okay, Um, I wanted to get on to this one because I saw this. This came up the other day actually. This was just, I don't know why it came up. It's essentially, this is just a, uh, Christian Henson. It's a Spitfire right. audio. So, Terry, actually, you'll be clicks and bots. At Air Lindhurst in 2016. Essentially, it's just a film of them doing an orchestral session and its it, I found yeah, it really yeah. fascinating um, so I don't three. know how, how big it is but you know there's obviously the orchestra I don't know how, how many yeah, there ten. are there and there's the engineer uh, and there's uh, the Pro Tools operator and then there's a programmer there's someone doing notes and then off they go and what I like about this is the first time he, that literally the music has been put down in front of them and here it goes here's the music, first time they've read it I just, you could sort of, I mean, it's a very joyous piece. It's the perfect piece. I don't know whether that's really the order of things that happen, but for dramatic purposes, let's say it did. Um, but the thing that struck me about that is, is how many people have to be in that situation to make that happen. And nobody screwed up, you know, it's like, because I just need a... Can we have crotchet uh, clicks on bar 33, please? Everybody's talking in the same language. It's all happening real time. Nobody's holding anything up. There was occasionally, you would go, I need to take that again. There was a siren, uh, ambulance went past, you know, or there was a tube. Because, I mean, you know, you got a lot of open mics in that situation. You're in a big city, so stuff like that's going to occur. And it just... What it was for me was like, wow what happens if you're the Pro Tools operator and, you know, your, your computer starts messing up or there's some issue that, you know, you're holding all of those people up. I just thought it was amazing. I know Tori, have you done any big um, orchestral sessions? I know you, um, you I majored. You, yeah, you have. I mean, it's is it as terrifying as I thought it might be from that, at least your first time anyway? Um, yeah. <laughs> um, I
1: mean, like the, great thing about doing those sessions is you're not the one, you're not, I'm not the pro tools engineer in that situation. You know, I'm usually sitting in the booth, I'm reading through my score or someone else's score. If I'm helping on something, um, it is intimidating, but the thing that's amazing is this is what these people do every day in and out at these stages. Um, they function so flawlessly most of the time that usually I'm more worried about making sure that I have no issues on my score, less so what the engineer is doing. Um, I've actually don't think I've ever been in a situation where there's been a major, you know, tech issue on an actual stage, um, which is amazing because I have tech issues all the time in my studio. But um, I've been fortunate enough to have my music recorded at air. I wasn't present for that session. And then also in uh, various places in LA. And the thing that's most intimidating and amazing to me about a session is what you said. It's the, it's the players, the players in Los Angeles and in London, their ability to sight read, and bring, you know, something that you've only heard in your studio with MIDI or just bring it off the page and breathe life into it for the first time um, is extraordinary. And I don't think no matter how many sessions I'm present for, I'll ever get sick of it. Um, it's, it's just a really extraordinary thing. And everybody that's at those stages is at just at the top of their game. And every person in that room and on the stage has such a specific role to make things function and get as much music recorded in the period of time that you have. Um, If you've never been able to go to a session like that, I recommend asking someone to bring you at least once because it's, especially your first time, like astounding.
0: I can imagine. I I was finding myself looking at that and seeing all those people sitting on those chairs and thinking... Even to the point where each of those chairs has to be checked for not being squeaky or or having a kind of weird noise when you sit on the cushion. It doesn't go, mm. you know. I mean, all of that stuff has to be in place because that that can ruin a take. I know, Charles. You've done a lot of orchestral recording. I mean, mm-hmm. you know how to do it. But I mean, you know, the first few times. I mean, you, you, it's got to be right. You can't hold up because they're very they're on very strict deadlines. You know, the the union. Um, Rules around how long yeah. an orchestra can sit for, or whatever. I mean, it's it's an astonishing kind of budgetary issue, right? And so you've got to be on the yeah. case, yeah,
2: yeah. Money, money is a big consideration, and you know, it's just people. Besides the money aspect, just their actual time, you know. So, like uh, the, the first the first recording session I ever did with an orchestra, I got into it. Um, I was asked by a person who was producing this thing for a with a sixty piece orchestra. He's like and he needed an engineer. He's like, "Hey, have you have you ever recorded an orchestra before?" And I was like, "Yeah. Sure. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I just I I com- I completely was winging it. You know, I, I mean I think I used way too many uh U87s, you know, cuz they're just a bit harsh and, <laughs> and I didn't I didn't know the difference between an 87 and a 67 and you know things like that. Um, but yeah, I I love working with orchestras. I mean, I I love orchestrating I absolutely love orchestral music, you know, and, and even though the stuff I do is electronic, I still use a lot of orchestral stuff in, in my music. and um, But I've also been fortunate enough not only to engineer it, but I've I've produced a couple of orchestral pieces. I've uh, played a couple of uh, orchestral pieces. i played double bass. Um, and then also um, I've mixed a few orchestras live, like the Liverpool Philharmonic. To be wow! Yeah, I precise.
0: remember you were talking yeah. about that. Actually, you were off to go. I think one of your last shows, you were off to go and do that, and I was just sort of,
2: mm-hmm.
0: kind of couldn't really figure out how you, you know, you, where do you find that stuff out? Because you can't practice on anything. <laughs> I mean, it's not like you got an
2: orchestra. No, I mean, it, you have such a. You, you don't. You don't really have much of a soundcheck, or you can be there for rehearsals, but you really can't mic them up much for in in rehearsals because. You know it's it gets in the way of the rehearsal itself, so you just gotta you you, you get the layout of of how they are I usually do it, take a bunch of pictures and then i just i'm planning it out while I'm listening to them, trying to figure out which parts are gonna be you know coming up uh which which ones need to be emphasized and uh and also it's a lot of that there's all sorts of other stuff you have, have to factor in like what type of p a you're gonna use and what type of room it is. Um, because n- not all PAS are the are the same. And well, they're not up to it as well. It, I
0: mean, an orchestra can can belt out what is it, hundreds plus dB at like full tilt, mm-hmm, which is mm-hmm. more than you're allowed to amplify in most venues, right? Yeah,
2: <laughs> and, and, it, and it becomes a it, it's certainly for live. It be, it becomes a a matter of of reinforcement. You're not really mixing; it's it's reinforcement. You know, wow. so you're just trying to make sure that that. Certain things are heard, and, and you know, like one of the trickiest things, certainly for doing orchestra live, is uh, it's the low end, dealing with the low end, yeah. Because you know, <laughs> there you for one thing, unlike pop music, you've got s- at least six different players in, in the contrabass section doing the same part. So, imagine if you had six bass players in a band, I would it would be, I mean, be pretty chaotic. <laughs> I know, <laughs> bands have done yeah yeah Done yeah. two, but you know that's six you know, yeah. and then you know, and then you gotta balance balance out with the bass drum and the timpanies and things like that, but um yeah, I was supposed to uh when b t was in town not too long ago you remember b t the yeah uh electronic music so he was in town uh a while back just not too long ago, and i was i happened to be here and I was supposed to go to his his uh session but i uh, didn't get to go, but I do love sitting in on orchestral sessions. I just, I just love listening to
3: it. Um, it's
0: amazing. I can imagine. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Have you, have you sat in on the recording things or mixed? Well, the I've other recorded.
3: End the- yeah, I've recorded loads and loads of uh, of uh, orchestral sessions as an engineer, um, as as a producer, and as a composer. Um, so I've done loads of that, and uh, it's always challenging and it's always interesting, and the. And you have to be really focused and know what you're doing. And, uh, yeah, there's a lot of variants and a lot of things that you need to to be aware of. Um, Yeah, it's always interesting. And uh, I mixed a lot, a lot of orchestral stuff. So mixing it is a whole different story because uh, usually uh, it goes with other stuff, with, you know, with beats and at least on the on the kind of music that I that I work on, uh, but I remember the first time that I recorded a big orchestra at Abbey Road, um, and it was actually my piece that I wrote for for Bond. and uh, And I, I entered the the room, the live room in Studio One, and they they had the sheets, so they were practicing and they played it. They didn't know the BPM, but they were playing it like a lot slower, and it sounded. It was quite an amazing feeling to to hear that you know my composition played uh in such a in such an you know with by eighty people and stuff uh but yeah, yeah it has to it has to be you have to have a really good produce operator um a lot of the times i uh, most times i engineered and produced so so you have to to it's it's more challenging because you have to make sure that everything is right and you have like 80 inputs or something like that and you have to make sure that it's all working and stuff and at the same time you're dealing with the artist or, you know, so you have to make sure that, that in terms of the production it all goes well. But it's very rewarding because... Um, uh, especially when you as an engineer it's very challenging and it's very it's very cool to do but as a producer um, a lot of the times I would write the parts basically play the parts and then I would get an arranger to uh, to arrange and conduct it for orchestra and it's always nice to to hear like yeah I was just doing this with my finger and suddenly you have like 60 people playing it, you know? So I can uh, imagine
0: that's fantastic.
3: So that that's always a great feeling, yeah. So, Love Tori,
0: do, do you, uh, are you, did I remember that you, you actually majored in orchestral arrangement or the, you, you've got a, you, so you would, sorry, say again? Film scoring, yeah. Ah, film scoring. So, do you, did you actually have to get an arranger in to kind of tidy up your compositions to sort of make them orchestra ready? Mm.
1: Most of the time I don't. Um, I do a lot of it myself and the only time I do is if it's for a really large session where I want to make sure that just, you know, things, it's not so much that I'm getting someone to expand on my arrangement. It's just to almost like double check it. And if the section's a little bigger than what I wrote for, you know, make some recommendations. Um, for me, I I typically tend to just put everything in myself. Um, I'm, I'm a little bit of a stickler for, uh, just making sure all my sections are full and everything is arranged really nicely. Um, and I also have issues giving up control, but <laughs> <laughs> Don't we <all>. the, the, <laughs> the only time I really, um, utilized an uh, orchestrator was, uh, I did a live concert last year. Um, and almost exactly a year ago at the turn in Los Angeles. And it was a live to picture score with like 12 different female composers, uh, called the future is female. And basically we had this, um, I, feel like it was like a 45 piece orchestra live at the Wiltern um, doing these pieces um, and set to picture. And to me, the most stressful thing I've ever done is not so much um, recording on a stage, but it's trying to uh, do prelays live to picture with an orchestra because you don't really get a second shot at that mm-hmm. um, and making sure that that was all functioning was incredibly stressful because not only do you have to make sure that all the players are playing playing correctly, and we only had one uh, one or two rehearsals before that show, but that your pro sessions are functioning correctly and that everybody's hearing everything in their ears and all the prelays are running. It was, like, the most stressful uh, time I've ever done anything.
0: I guess the thing is, yeah, <laughs> okay. it, but the thing that you could see with that is there, are, there there were four or five people. I don't know how many of those people in the room, in the control room with uh, Christian were just sort of there sitting in, but most of them seemed to have exactly. a function. And that's real. Uh, Dave Spears tells a fantastic story about uh, uh, going to air or or one of the Abbey Road, one of them to, to record some strings back in the day. Uh, it was a mate of his that showed up and uh, they hadn't printed the scores out. And he said, oh, it's all right, I'll do it now. And all he had was a dot matrix printer. So with the orchestra sitting there, this dot matrix printer was printing out and it took like 3 hours to print the scores you know just didn't do it before and it was just one of those schoolboy errors so so basically most of the session because you can only do I think 2 or 3 hours yeah what a nightmare imagine <laughs> that that I always think about that story but that that session really makes me think uh, think about that but yeah I mean it's it's such a specialized skill but yeah it must be very rewarding I've never I've never had to deal with it um Gosh, well, it's five o'clock. We kind of um, d- d- how's everybody for time? And we could we could do a little thing on the Artefonte Orb. If anyone's got time, or if everybody's got to go, we can we can wrap things up. Okay. Raise your hand if you're if you're available. Early for me. Okay, that's yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, sorry, I've got I've got to be somewhere. Yeah, nobody I know is up. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> I'm sure I need that's coffee, not true. That's, about
0: it. that's not true. Okay, well, uh, let me find the video for this. Okay, this is a new co- another controller which looks kind of interesting. Um, only problem is it what starts with the line. What if making music
2: wasn't just for musicians? Oh, did you
0: have to say that?
2: What if you could play any sound with a single touch? What if when you needed a break the thing you reached for was an instrument.
0: Okay, so it's another one of those. You don't have to be a musician to make music, which I think is a very disappointing way to open any kind of uh, musical uh, thing. But... We'll let them. We'll 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 let them go on that. And um, this is the up by Artiphone. and it's uh, as far as I understand, it's actually a uh, it's a standard. Oh my god, the money's going up as I speak, so they're they're well overfunded on Kickstarter. Um, but the idea is, it's a kind of. I think it's got a synth engine built into it, so it does live looping. It's got a little speaker. But it also Bluetooths and USB-C's MIDI out as well. And you've got velocity sensing. You've got all those kind of things. And that's the thing that looks perhaps kind of the most interesting thing to me. But, I mean, it's like, what, 90 bucks? I don't know, Tori, do you feel as annoyed as I do about uh, you don't have to? What if you didn't have to be a musician to make music? Hey, Tori?
1: I, f- I feel two ways about it. I've uh, worked with Artiphone in the past. I have an ah. Um And uh it's for me it's not the most practical thing um it, it's very cool um and i think as uh someone who might be just talking about that instrument as a guitar player and not a keyboardist um it really functions pretty cool as a controller i do like that they're trying their goal i think is to yeah. access more bedroom producers than professional uh musicians and and producers and composers um and i think you can see that from their price point and the kind of products they're putting out and this this feels in line with kind of their brand. So in that respect, I'm not mad about it. I don't like when someone yeah, says, you don't have to be a musician to make music, which is true. Um, but it does kind of, you know... Yeah.
0: Uh, you don't have to be a doctor to kill people.
1: Yeah. It's
0: you don't like, have what? to be a surgeon to save people's <laughs> lives. But,
1: I mean, at 90, 90 bucks, like... I'm, I'm curious. I feel like I'd have to mess with it. That was how I felt about the Artifone too. I needed to actually see how it functioned for me before I could really judge it. Yeah. Um, it feels a little more like a, like a toy than I would say a, a professional piece of gear. And I, again, I think that's how they're marketing it too. So I don't know if I'm actually mad about it because they're not asking $300 for it and they're not yeah. marketing it as a, something that a professional would use. But the only thing I saw that did interest me was later on in that video, I think it's that video, um, somebody has it, because it acts as an interface, correct? Am I wrong about that? I Or it acts as an interface?
0: Um, It was someone had it
1: plugged in, yeah, plugged into their Eurorack and was doing it like a portable setup was using it. And that I thought was interesting, if you're ever trying to do anything sort of live in that way. Um, but outside of that, I don't know if I would particularly use it, but I'm never opposed to giving inexpensive tools to bedroom producers that being said
0: well there's one thing in it where there's where it's it's being used as a shaker and if the if the uh, if the MIDI out of that is intelligent enough to be used as a shaker, to control a shaker, then I, 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 that would almost make it worth having just for that. But there's um, the other stuff, the positional things that were interesting. I don't know. Uh, um, I mean, Yoad, even you would have Karim for uh, for this controller. You could just leave it, you know, next to one, yeah. of, you know, one of the knobs. You could use it as a knob uh, even, perhaps.
3: Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, what if you had to be a musician to make music? <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh that's a good 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 question Uh, that Um, might be a contender for the title of the show
3: and um (laughs) that's that's one thing the other thing well i have three points that was one of them second one from what i could tell it doesn't it's not velocity sensitive so for me that's uh that's a bit of a turn off because uh from you know just looking at the at how they play the drums and how they play the bass, it doesn't seem and i I think it will be quite difficult technically to mechanically like to make it velocity sensitive maybe I'm wrong um so that's that's one thing I like the fact that you can use it as a as a kind of expression thing to generate control data and stuff like that um and then the third thing that comes to my mind is that it looks to me like an Alexa, so <laughs> I wonder whether you can ask it to to do your you know your shopping yeah, list and stuff and, yeah, and Be whether it, and whether it listens to everything you say in the room and and stuff like that, so uh for, for, what if yeah, you didn't I have mean, to?
0: What if you didn't have to be an evil empire to uh, to spy on everything? Yeah, <laughs> to exactly. spy on everything you say. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. There's all sorts oh, of what ifs. No, yeah. yeah, that's a fair point. Yeah, it does look a lot like an Alexa, doesn't it? Um, you yeah. have to be careful about how. You, in fact, there's a load of ads uh, for Amazon Alexa on uh, on TV at the moment, and they're just slightly mispronouncing Alexa so that it doesn't respond. So it doesn't in
3: generate. It, yeah, Alexa, what's the weather like? Time. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: They're doing that. Um, I don't know, Charles. If it did have that, I mean, I think it will have velocity and move because it basically here.
3: Yeah, it it has an accelerometer. Tap,
0: press, vibrato, radiate, slide, bump, move. So there must be velocity in some of those movements that could be used. It could be, you Mm. know, that shaker controller you've not had all your life that you need.
2: (laughs) Yeah, you know that. I I think. I think it's a you know it's a bit of a toy. Like, uh, like Tori said, and uh, but same time, you know, for bedroom producers, fine. Uh, you know, and, and but I can tell you one way I could absolutely use it is I could use one of those live for and live mixing because I use all kinds of MIDI controllers for uh, doing like effects triggering and stuff like that, and just to have something that I could just like set right on the bottom of my console and just not even have to look at, just hit it in certain places. That'd be great. You know, because right now I'm using like a chaos pad and I'm using a uh why well, I guess oh yeah, core no, not a cord nano. Uh the Akai, whoops, sorry. The Akai one. Um I can't remember which one it is. The one the drum pads one. Oh right. and and, PDA, um, yeah. Yeah, and a stream deck and stuff like that. So I'm using like three different types of MIDI controllers, yeah, I would absolutely use something like this live if, if I could program it to do all the things I need. I, I, I'm not really interested in the synth engine part of it. I mean, I'm mean, i sure it'd be fine, but yeah, it's just that's this. So this in the studio, I, I don't would have much use for it, but I could definitely use something like this live. Um, even even as a, uh, a Bluetooth, you know, if it's just doing via Bluetooth.
0: Uh, yeah, it's got. I mean, it's Bluetooth, has got a speaker in it. I mean, you could possibly use it as a sort of Bluetooth. I don't know whether it is. Yeah, I'm not sure. Interesting. Yeah.
2: So, I mean, if, it, if it's, uh, you know, MIDI over Bluetooth, then that would be, yeah, absolutely fine. As um, long as
0: it's good. Yeah. I, I mean, for that price, it could give you some gesture controls that would be useful in a specific workflow. I suppose that's the thing. I mean, you know, we all yeah. use MIDI controllers uh, in our workflows in completely differing ways. You know, I mean, Yoad has one way. I'm sure you have another, and Tori, I expect you do, and I do as well. I mean, it's it, that's that's the beauty of it, and uh, giving us more gesture and more control is never a bad thing. And even if you don't want any of the sounds it makes, if it's if the, uh, I'd be really interested to see what the MIDI spec is and what you can do with the MIDI as it comes out, yeah. that would be really interesting.
2: Yeah, certainly. I mean, because I'm doing all kinds of stuff like, you know, throwing delays and then having to kill delays at, uh, in certain words, like you know, like. Maybe a really huge delay that just stops right on the on another beat or things like that. Just being able to have all that just right there in front of me instead of in an effects rack to the side of me. Yeah, I would. I, I would definitely use something like that. I mean, I'd I'd buy it just to just to see if it worked. <laughs>
0: you know? Yeah, and
2: if it and you know otherwise I. I'd find some other use for it somehow.
0: I think it's going to be, by the looks of things, April 2020. And it's doing pretty good. And it's got 46 days to go. And it. I looked earlier and it was one fourteen, So they've done another two grand in probably an hour and a half. So it's obviously going yeah. some. So, yeah, I, I guess it's going to happen. And it must be, it's all or nothing, which is obviously, it's definitely happening because they only wanted to raise about 40 grand and they're nearly triple that now. So it's all good news. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, well, so what's, what's, what's next for you then, Tori? I think we're probably going to wrap things up. Have you got what, what are you going into the studio to do today?
1: Um, I just started a new side project. It's an electronic mid-tempo bass project that is not out in the public yet, but um, it will be kind of starting in 2020. So I'm going to go record a bunch of vocals. Um, shout out to Isotope because I use VocalSynth on almost everything that I do, whether it's vocal producing for myself or other people. Um, I actually even run instruments through vocal synth now and then, yeah. Um, yeah. If you haven't used that plugin, um, I really, really enjoy it. It seems really simple and straightforward out of the box, but it, um, it does some pretty cool things. And then I start a film, uh, next week. So Uh, I'm going to watch the, yeah, I'm going to, we just got our first cut yesterday. So I'm going to download that and start prepping for that spotting session happening on Wednesday and yeah, try to uh, you know have a little bit of time before that kicks into high gear.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, because I'm, are you, I guess even more so. Is it do you are you having to work to impossible deadlines like everybody else, or are your or are your projects nicely uh, paced?
1: Yeah, this is a TV film, which means that it's on a TV schedule. So I'm basically going to do like 60 minutes of music in probably three weeks. Right, give okay. or take. Yeah, that should <laughs> um, do. But yeah. That's not the only
0: thing going on. So it's fine. We'll make it work. Yeah. I'm sure you will. Yeah, of course it does. And of course, uh, Charles, lovely to have you as well. Uh, I guess you're, well, I can see you've got an arrangement up on the screen there. So something must be happening.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm working on a new Chicky and Coco record right now. Ah. So um, we've got about 70 minutes worth of music right now. that I've got to pare down quite a bit. And then a couple of things I want to add to it and 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 I'm going to use an orchestra on it. <laughs> so Ooh. so I've got to got to start doing that. I'm going to do that. I'm going to try to be finished with that by April mm. because uh uh in April Howard Jones is doing a tour of uh Europe uh, Scandinavia, Germany and I, and then and then he's doing a bunch of stuff in the summer so I'm just trying to get it all the way before I have to do that stuff. But right. uh, yeah. I, I'm I love being out here in my in my room apart from the house it's great
0: <laughs> well lovely to have, love you uh, to have you uh, aboard thank you very much for joining us and also yoad thanks for joining us too uh, i'm glad we got your audio sorted out and everything seems to be working good um I guess are you? Have uh, you got plenty on the go? I can't see whether you've got an arrangement on your page. It looks, like, uh, uh, looks like that thing that's the sample map. Is that the sample map plugin you've got on your screen at the
3: moment? That's the XL by XLN, which ah. is another really cool drum machine. Yeah, I'm working on this um, on this big um, ad campaign for for a major brand uh, in the US. Uh, I'm doing the soundtrack, so I'm doing the I'm composing the music, and I'm doing the post production and mix for that. So that's quite challenging and quite interesting, actually. And I love working to to picture because you kind of, in a in a way, it's really easy because you just see it, and you, I don't know, it kind of does itself. It it, it uh, it's really nice. I like that, and it's it's an. Um, it's very different from, from working on pe- pop records, so uh, I like the yeah, I like the diver- diversity, and uh, it's always nice. it, it, there's another dimension to it, you know, when you work to picture. Um, so yeah, enjoying it very much at the moment.
0: Excellent. Well, uh, thank you, everybody. Folks, I will go to the full shot so that we can uh, we can say goodbye. Tori, thanks for joining us. has been a real pleasure to have you as a first-timer. Maybe we can persuade you to come on again as well. So, uh, um, I would we... love
1: that. Thank you for having
0: me. You're more than welcome. Now you can have some breakfast, right? <laughs> 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 I'm sure you already did. Um, uh, yeah, and, uh, well, that's it for this week. Oh, don't forget, before we go, uh, we should say... Uh, Thank you to Isotope. Don't forget, if you want to that's win a perfect. copy of Ozone 9 Advanced, we're looking for the hashtag Final Master, the hashtag Ozone9, to at Sonic State and at Isotope Inc. But that's it for this week. Uh, we will see you all at the other side. There'll be a show next week. Thanks for watching. See you later. Bye-bye now.